is a rebroadcast of my radio show, Astrology Today, which aired the fall of 2019 on CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station. You are listening to Astrology Today, coming to you live from beautiful Sunshine Coast, Powell River, which is situated on the traditional lands of the Tlahoman Nation. I'll be your host, Maureen Reed, and I am an astrologer. Welcome. Okay, now today I set up on my website, though, and this would be available, is there are um, a list of aspects Um, which I'm going to talk about today, but also, seeing as we've had an election, there is also the chart of our renewed MP, Justin Trudeau, plus also the chart of Canada. And once I've gone through my journey into peace, which this week is about aspects, then I'm going to spend some time talking about the Canada chart and Justin Trudeau. And this style of astrology is called mundane. Okay, but in the meantime, we are going to look at uh, aspects. And so to start with, um, we will look at the significance of the fact that um, an astrological natal chart is a 360 degree wheel. And why is that important? Because we need to place the planets at the exact degree around that circle. Um, And like, for instance, um, oh, dear, I have completely lost my place. I will start again, almost. Okay. Now, beginner astrologers began to take meaning from personal natal charts by the fact that planets are placed in a particular sign. Let's say, you know, you've got Sun in Cancer and the Jupiter is in Pisces. They then add another layer of meaning, which is the Sun in the fourth house, the Sun in Cancer in the fourth house, Jupiter in Pisces in the twelfth house. But there is another layer of meaning, and that has to do with how each of the signs' houses are connected to each other, and they are connected in a number of ways. But one of the more significant ways is by what's called aspect. And aspect here um, takes on a slightly different meaning than what it would in English, um, because typically you use the word aspect to... um, to describe a certain quality. And in this, it's also almost like, well, I'm not an English person, so I don't know if it's a noun or a verb, but we use the word aspect to not only give a quality to something, but it is also a tool. So um, on a chart and on the charts that I put up on my website for today, you'll see a grid and that's called an aspect chart. Okay, so let's see now. So let's say we've got this Jupiter and the Sun, and let's say that once we put the degrees with those, that Jupiter is at eight degrees, and the Sun is at eight degrees. So if we count around the number of signs, and there are 30 degrees to each sign, and this is what makes the math a bit simpler, 
Our example of a planet in Pisces would be 120 degrees apart from the planet in Cancer. So Jupiter would be 120 degrees from that sun in my example. Now, we look at that degree difference in the following increments, and this is the really basic increments that we look at. So we look at a 60 degree, which would be a two sign separation. We look at a 90 degree, which is a three sign separation. We look at the 120, which we've already mentioned, which is four signs. And we look at a five sign separation, which is 150 degrees. And then literally the last one we look at is 180 degrees apart. So one literally opposite the other. Now there are also minor aspects, although the next one I'm going to mention, just so that you have an idea, wouldn't necessarily be considered minor. It's a 45 degree aspect. And this one, of course, would actually require a person to do a little math in order to figure out if two planets are 45 degrees apart. Now there are meanings that are attached, um, and let me just say, just list off the names of them. So if two planets occupy the same degree, they are called, they are said to be conjunct, and that's C-O-N-J-U-N-C-T. If they are 30 degrees apart, that's called a semi-sextile. If they are 60 degrees apart, that is called a sextile. If they are, if they are 90 degrees apart, that's called a square. If they are 120 degrees apart, that is called a trine. If they are 150 degrees apart, that is called an inconjunct. And so to spell that, that's I-N-C-O-N-J-U-N-C-T. And finally, if they are literally opposite, uh, 190 degree, or 180 degrees apart, when we literally say that's called an opposition. An important note here is to say that aspects are never more than 180 degrees apart. So if you've got, you know, planet A and you're counting the number of signs and you go, oh, well, there's 108, but it's past 108. Yeah, actually, no. Um, there is never an aspect that is greater than 180. So what happens is we go back to point A and we count in the opposite direction to see what the aspect is. Okay, now we will go into more detail on some of the minor aspects, but not on this show. Now, each of these aspects has a symbol, and again, I put a key up on um, my website that you can download. Plus, you will notice that in the chart of Canada and for Justin Trudeau, that the names and the symbols that go with those aspects are on those sheets. Now there comes um, up with this list two other details that one must take into account and that's called orb or what I like to call the fudge factor. The second one is who is catching up to who as in a race, who has passed out of connection and in astrological parlance this is called applying and separating. Okay, a little more explanation for fudge factor. As you can imagine, not every planet's 
are they going to all be at the same degree, which, you know, obviously makes it really simple to see what the aspect is. Um, And yet the connections will have an effect. And so the fudge factor is literally what sort of, um, and it's called orb, O-R-B, how far away from that perfect connection will there still be an effect? And so you'll see on the list that I down that I put up for you to download that the orbs vary um, between what modern astrologers use and let's say what the ancients used. And I am going to pause for a second because I might sneeze <coughs> or cough or something in the distance. They can hear me, but that's okay. Ah, okay. I'm back. (laughs) Okay, so orbs also involve the who's fastest and who's slowest, and that is applying and separating. Okay, um, so with applying and separating, uh, one has to remember that the chart is a frozen moment, and yet at that moment, some planets were actually catching up to one another, some were just passing, like getting too far away for the connection. And so it's it's a nuance that's very important because let's say you've got planet A is trying to make a square to planet B and it isn't quite there yet. That's a stronger connection than if it already had squared perfectly and is now just gone past that aspect. That's not quite as strong. And so, for instance, when I'm doing my um, where's that moon at section, I will point out when something is beginning to come into that connection. And then I'll, I'll announce what time or day that the aspect goes what's called exact. And then after that, it's literally like the connection breaks off, especially when it comes to the movement of the daily planets. Now, in a person's personal chart, that's not quite the case. There can still be a felt experience even after um, the aspect is separating, but it's never as strong as the applying. Okay, so to to determine that, you have to start with the moon because she is the fastest. The slowest guy, of course, is Pluto. And so you have to recognize if who's who's fastest, who's slowest, who's going to catch up, who's leaving. Now, right about now, any students listening will be waving their arms frantically, um, wanting to interject that, excuse me, there's something, something called retrograde motion and stations which alter the simplicity of the above statement. And that's very true. But this is a rabbit hole we will save for another episode. As the names imply, an applying aspect happens when the faster one catches up to the slower one and vice versa when, the, when it leaves, it's called separating. Now, another way that you can look at this and add meaning to aspects is to use the analogy of the cycles of the moon. And so a conjunction is literally the beginning of the new phase, and the crescent would be the semi-sextile, 
Uh, the first quarter would, or pardon me, the crescent would be the sextile. The first quarter would be the square. Gibbous would be the first in conjunct. The full moon or the opposition would be called the full phase. Disseminating is the past in conjunct, last quarter, last square, and balsamic. Now these um, can, again, add, they can add a nuance to your understanding of the connections. Okay, so now I'd like to literally just give a little more information on each of these aspects, and we will start with the conjunction. This is considered the strongest aspect that can happen between any two planets, and it is basically the fusing of their functions. Another way of looking at it is they are attached at the hip. If one aspect of this combination makes a move, the other function is also automatically involved. Here you must consider if those parts of the personality are compatible or actually like being with each other. You will often find that the sun is commonly involved in a conjunction and typically with Venus or, and or Mercury. Just because of our vantage point from the Earth, looking at the way the planets move, Mercury can never be more than 28 degrees from the Sun. So often it is very close to the Sun. And Venus can be never more than two signs away. So that combination of Mercury-Sun or Venus-Sun is quite common in charts. As an example of that, might be, let's say you've got Sun conjunct Venus, then the person's life direction, Sun, will always have a relationship component to it. In the case of Sun conjunct Mercury, then communicating in all its forms, always involved in the direction of the life. To note, here will be the orb, especially to the Sun again. I will take time in another episode to discuss this because there is literally a condition where the sun swallows up another planet. And um, like I say, one of those other rabbit holes will go down. Other planets, when they get together, it comes down to whether or not they enjoy being together in each other's company, whether they work well together or create problems and hindrances to the person. Each of those combos needs to be looked at and given merit or demerits, as it were, and if the person becomes aware of these really strong connections in their personality, then they have the option of bringing out the best in that combination or succumbing to the worst of that combination. There also can be literally a string of planets that are connected using what we called earlier the orb. You can have two, three, even four. Sometimes there's even more planets all fused together, and the language for that is called a stellium. When you find more than two, usually it's not considered a stellium unless there are three planets. Okay, so basically the bottom line with the conjunction, um, those ones that are fused at the hip, now you're fusing a whole bunch of pieces. And I know personally when I see a chart with a stellium in it, I'm always a bit kind of overwhelmed because um, it's, it takes separating out the various areas that are affected by that group in order to fully understand what that experience might be like. In people, in charts that I have done in the past, 
there tends to be uh, an incredible focused intensity, whether that be in a air sign or a water sign or fire signs. And they're the ones that can actually, you know, look at the newspaper, the magazine columns for particular sun signs, and what is being said in them is likely to ring way truer than for the rest of us. Now, the, the next aspect is a semi-sextile, and the ancients did not even, they didn't have it on their radar, and I'm beginning to wonder if I might not just agree with them. But what it is, is half of the sextile. So let's look at the sextile. The sextile links signs that are 60 degrees apart or two signs. So they will make combinations like Aries and Gemini. So you've got a fire sign and an air sign. Uh, and they will pull those two pieces together. And the two sets of combinations, there's fire and air, water and earth, so with fire and air, obviously, we'll create more fire. Um, you add oxygen to a fire and it goes even better, but it's also possible for fire to scorch air. It can be too much. What a sextile can do is it gives free reign to the two aspects of personality that are connected. You know, they can go running off together in a good way or in not so good a way. And there is no check or balance within a sextile aspect. It is literally excited. Exciting molecules is another way maybe of looking at it because to excite a molecule, molecule isn't to say anything good or bad. It's just excited. Okay, and the other combination, earth and water, that will grow stuff or, you know, it can also just turn things to mud. And again, there are some of the images that might help you to sort out getting the feeling of a sextile. I have now introduced the elements which in Western astrology are fire, earth, air, and water. This order repeats itself all the way around the wheel in that order, starting with Aries fire. Okay, now the next aspect is a square. And here we come up to our very first strong dynamic aspect. It is only second to the conjunction in terms of strength. Here we have 90 degrees, so literally the name square is implied automatically. What I want you to imagine here is that you've got one character aspect walking north and south. Direction here is not the important part. Um, and we have another aspect walking east and west. And when they hit in the middle, they literally, they run into each other. And what can happen here is the intentions or needs uh, or the modus operandi of each of these points of character will clash with each other. And it's not comfortable. But when it's working well, there is a sense of respecting the requirements of each of those sides of your character. And it fosters, not even fosters, what it would be better is it propels these two parts of personality to become the best they can be. Some key words you will find are challenged, motivating, pressuring, creative friction, clashing, discordant. With this aspect, we introduce sign qualities, quadruplicities. I'm not even going to try to spell that one. <laughs> Trust me, quadruplicities, which are automatically connected when square aspects are involved. 
So the quadruplicities, and here they are, cardinal, fixed, and mutable. When combined with the elements, we had four elements, you get the 12 combinations or the 12 signs. With the square aspect, you can link up all the fixed signs, or you can link up all the cardinal signs, or you can link up all the mutable signs. This linkage informs the square aspect. Let me give you an example. A cardinal square would be Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. Cardinal is action with a square. In this quality, you will get loud, assertive, prov provoking reactions um, that are very originating. In a fixed square, Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, Aquarius stubbornly stand their ground, causing inertia, persistent and sustaining. In a mutable square, you have Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces. Dithering, dispersal, constant adjusting, or diversifying and evolving. For any square, there is a discomfort between the parts of the personality that will build character. The next aspect is a trine, and here we get what is considered the most beneficial connection between points of the character, because here we tie together elements. And so, for instance, if we start with the sign of Aries and count four signs away, which would be 120 degrees, we get Leo. Another 120, we get Sag. And then again, another 120, and we're back to Aries. What you have is literally a triangle. I can remember when I was first learning, oh, yay, I have a trine or, you know, and everybody looks for, I hope I have more than one trine because it is considered to be an aspect of ease. Two aspects of personality join hands together and romp down the work road, working in convivial enjoyment together. Hmm. With trines, you get all three of a particular element connected. So let's say Taurus, Virgo, Capricorn, is the grand trine in earth. Uh, of course, grand is a nice implication here that we will have ease within those three pieces, but there is a downside. Sometimes it works so easily that people don't use it if there's nothing to motivate the working of those three pieces together. Or another way that sometimes it runs amok, it, it runs away with itself. So for instance, a grand trine in fire, you can literally exhaust yourself by being way too energetic. A grand trine in earth could create just a lump, a couch potato. A grand trine in air could be so caught up in words and thoughts that it actually never produces anything because it's constantly adding more input to the system or it cannot see the flaws in its own logic. The grand trine in water gets caught up in emotional, receptive, empathic feelings, and the person becomes awash, drowning, literally. Now, next up is the inconjunct. Now, here we have an aspect that I personally have called the duh factor, that is, as in D-U-H. Here we have two aspects of character that should just be opposed to each other, which is the next aspect we'll talk about, but instead they're kind of one sign off the opposition. So if you look at a chart wheel that's got uh, the signs marked around it, so let's say you look at it from 
the Aries side of the chart, you look straight across the chart and you see Libra. That's the opposition. Um, but to either side, on one side you have Scorpio and on the other side you have Virgo. This combination is 150 degrees apart, so there are no sympathies by ele element or qualities. What you get is two elements that do not particularly work well with each other. Say in this example, we have, uh, uh, we have Aries fire and water of Scorpio. Um, and so um, fire will put water out and uh, or no, yeah, water will put fire out <laughs> and um, fire will bring water to a boil. Not exactly a comfortable connection. Okay, we also have um, a cardinal fire. So this is, this is a piece that wants to act. And we have Scorpio, which is a fixed sign that just goes, wait a minute, hold on. Let, no, no, let's not move. And so, again, this creates strain, these inconjunct aspects. Um, it's asking things to be redirected, rerouted. Um, it, and what I see is required to make these aspects of personality to work is concentration and attention in order for these two pieces to work together. Okay, unlike the square, which that isn't a clear adjustment. And so in a chart, especially in a person's chart, I prefer seeing the squares because that conflict is in your face. It's obvious. Whereas the inconjunct is, like I say, it's the duh factor. Not really clear what has to happen in order to make them work. The last one we're going to look at is the opposition. And so that is literally one planet's on one side of the chart, other planets on the other side of the chart, like a full moon. Okay, so if we use Aries, what's opposite it? Libra. So Aries is fire in action, assertive, home turf of Mars, and Libra is Vesuvian, compromising, wishing for peace and balance. In order to achieve that balance, one has to clearly define the two opposing scenarios in order to come into that balance. And so the Aries principle, one needs to assert one side of the scale, but the other side also has to assert its side. Then it's possible to actually come into balance. So typically, when this is involved in a person's personality, projection is one of the classic ways that it manifests in the beginning when you're young. And so it will adopt one side of the opposition wholly, operate exclusively out of it, and the other piece of the personality is rejected and foisted onto some unsuspecting person. And of course, this does not work. Sometimes a person will go back and forth. There'll be one side of the opposition, embrace it, act out of it, projecting the other, and then they flip it around and do just the opposite. Okay, so looking at the pairs of opposites, here is a useful tool for getting more familiar with the 12 signs of the zodiac. So oppositions will fall, obviously, Aries Libra, Taurus Scorpio, Gemini Sag, Cancer Capricorn, Leo Aquarius, and Virgo Pisces. And it could be useful in the course of the weeks and months to come as each of these are highlighted by a new moon and a full moon. 
Obviously, the full moon is the opposition. One can get more familiar with those coins, what's on one side and what's on the other. Okay, now I would like to actually take a few minutes before I start with um, my Where's That Moon to have a look at some charts. Okay, so I'm looking here and if you've had the opportunity to be on my website and download the chart of Canada, of course it's July the 1st, 1867 in Ottawa at precisely midnight. So we have a Cancer Sun, and one of the first things that I noticed with this chart, and I'm sure I looked at it years ago, but it's been a while since I've looked at it, we have Sun conjunct Uranus. And I've often wondered, because the U.S. is obviously also a Cancer country, and it too has a Sun in Cancer, yet we're not the same, not even close. And so when I saw that Sun conjunct Uranus, I'm thinking, oh, okay. So instead of the melting pot, which actually makes sense with Sun and Cancer for the U.S., that's what they want to do. They want everybody to become all the same, which would make it way more comfortable, Cancer. But we didn't go that route. No, we wanted diversity. And that Uranus, although you don't see it that often, at least when I think of my country that I live in. I don't see it, but it's obviously there. And so instead of melting us all together, we emphasize diversity, sun conjunct Uranus. Now, in terms of this election, okay, so we have Trudeau's chart. And what he has is one of those fine examples of a grand trine and his is in air signs. He has Saturn in Gemini, he has Pluto in Libra, and he has Venus in Aquarius. And so when it comes to maturely handling information, he has the power to create balance and to work that within the constant the, the constellation of social groups sounds pretty good. But as I said earlier, it's also possible to have ideas that feed themselves. In other words, a self-sustaining loop. And it can be difficult, and his Saturn is part of this trine, to recognize when it's not working because it's easy within an air trine to justify why it works to you. And it gets difficult to bring in other ideas. Now, in terms of the actual um, election and the fact that we're in a minority government, um, when I come to this week's week thing, which I'm gonna have to get started here pretty quick, we are within the framework of what's called Mercury retrograde. And so this does have an impact on our election. And it typically, if the election had been run outside of um, the shadow area of a Mercury retrograde, we would have had a more definitive answer. But such is not the case. And so I will be giving some timings. And I can see maybe next week I will do this 
where we can look at um, just how long this minority government is likely to stay in business. Okay, so, but let's go on to the last segment, which is Where's That Moon? For more information about my services and to see the chart examples used on the show, go to www.cardinalastrology, that's all one word, dot C-A. Thank you for listening. This is a rebroadcast of my radio show, Astrology Today, which aired on CJMP 90.1 FM Powell Rivers Community Radio Station.